You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Together, and we'll read uh, the first six verses together. Revelation chapter number eight. Um, Brother Dustin has been traveling all day, all night. And so he asked if I would mind if he takes a nap here in just a little bit. Uh, and I said, well, he won't be the only one taking a nap. I'm sort of used to it. Uh, but uh, anyway, he'd be in good company. Uh, but uh, anyway, good to be in God's house tonight. And let me just thank you for, for making that a priority in your life. You know, we don't know what it is that keeps us on track. But we know keeping him first has got to be a priority. And every one of us are prone to wander. Every one of us have draws to pull us aside. There are things that will happen in our own personal life that will uh, create struggles and problems and, and issues that could cause a problem for us coming to church and to serve the Lord there are, there are frustrations that could come up with a brother or sister in Christ that could cause you to say, okay, I'm not going to go anymore. There, there are all kinds of oppositions and opportunities that the devil will throw in front of us to sidetrack us. And being faithful is vital. One of these days, we're going to see the Savior. And he who endured the cross for us, there's, there's no way we'll be able to look in his face and make an excuse for failures in our own lives. And so as we're endeavoring to, to follow him, we truly, have to, we truly have to keep him as a priority in our life. And it can't be a token priority. You know what I'm saying. We can say the Lord's a priority, but if we're not in our Bible and we're not in church and we're not studying and we're not praying, it's all just words. And there has to be a relationship. And being in God's house and having your kids in God's house helps keep us in a place where we are setting ourselves up for the blessings of God and the, the guardrails to help keep us right. And the Bible says the truth shall make you free. The, the preaching and teaching doesn't have to address the specific issue that we're dealing with. But it's amazing how God can take his word and he can speak to everybody's heart about everybody's issue. And people will come up and say, Pastor, that was just right for me. And I know what they're going through. And somebody else will come up and say, Pastor, that was, thank you so much. That was just for me. And I'm thinking, what I preached on has nothing to do with what you're going through. But the Spirit of God can take His Word and apply it. And that's what we need. We need Him to be active in our life. And so let me commend you for your faithfulness. And let me encourage you to continue to be faithful. And the Lord has, the Lord is going, He is doing something, not only in our life, He is doing something in the life of our church. He is also going to use us to reach this community. 
And we just got to keep on serving, uh, keep him in the focus, in the focal point of our, of our life, and we'll get to enjoy those blessings. Revelation chapter number 8 and verse number 1, and I'll start on verse 1, join me on verse 2, and we'll read down uh, through verse number 6, Revelation chapter 8 verse 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was a silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And, I, the, and the angel uh, took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Here we have the chapter number seven uh, that interlude between chapter number seven or it was an interlude between chapter number six at the end of chapter six we have the sixth seal uh, being uh, opened and then we have chapter seven and now in chapter number eight uh, we will see the unopen the opening of that seventh seal that seventh seal will result in the revealing of the seven trumpets the judgments of the seven trumpets it will also go into chapter number uh, 9 and 10, and we will see also the vials, the seven vials. And so we see these judgments, and this seventh seal is going to open up some judgments uh, that we're going to look at tonight. We'll only see the first four seals here uh, out of these, or the first four trumpets uh, that will be uh, opened in this seventh seal. And let's pray. Father, we pray that you'd help us tonight as we open your word. Uh, may you teach us tonight. May we see your, uh, the things to come. Uh, and Lord, may they encourage us. Uh, may they give us, uh, truly give us a, uh, an understanding that judgment is coming to this world. And help us, Lord, to, to just trust you with our present because you, we know that you're going to take care of our future. And so we pray that you'd bless us now for Christ's sake. Amen. All right, so here as we get into this, uh, this chapter here, uh, John Butler, he has a pretty good outline for this uh, passage, and we'll use that as a, uh, as a background tonight as we uh, go through this. But we see the, the first six verses are the scene of the preparation, and then we will see uh, verse 7 to 13, uh, the scene of the punishment. So uh, let's look at this first of all, verse number one uh, of Revelation chapter eight. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Now, here we have the peace in this preparation. And the preparation before these judgments, uh, we'll see multiple uh, points here. Uh, but before this uh, judgment takes place, we find that there is peace. Now, this peace that is here is referred to as silence. You know, silence is a wonderful thing. 
Isn't silence good? But sometimes silence isn't always good. Do you remember when your mom said, go to your room and wait? You knew what was coming, and that period of going to the room and having to wait for the judgment that was going to take place was that silence was deafening. Sometimes silence is a peaceful thing. But when we have silence in heaven, the elders are not crying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. There are no harps that are being played. There are no songs that are being sung. There is silence in heaven for 30 minutes. Silence sometimes is ominous. And when I think about this passage of Scripture, I'm thinking about the ominous reality that there's a judgment coming to this world that you can't even speak. Now, we're going to be in heaven at this point. We're out of here. I'm so thankful that the Lord, we are not appointed unto wrath. The, the Christian's out of here. But we will hear this silence. And there's going to be a silence that is, that is so silent and so quiet. Have you ever been somewhere that was just quiet? I remember when we moved out of the city. Uh, I was lived in the city, grew up in the city, but my fourth grade year, fifth grade year, we moved out to the country, and there were no cars driving by. We played in the... When I was growing up, we played in the streets, and it was the street lights. I had the street light uh, shining in my bedroom uh, room at night. Uh, there, was, there was noise all the time. But we moved out to the country, and it was quiet. You know, here when we think about this silence, this peace that was there, it was that calm before the storm. It was that silence that was there that uh, is no longer a peaceful silence. It was a silence of anxiousness of about what was going to trans, uh, transpire here. And so uh, this judgment was coming. And, and I can imagine uh, as God has this silence taste, take place in heaven, uh, the silence for above for 30 minutes, I bet you we will have never experienced a silence like we will experience at that point. We're talking about an utter silence. And when heaven is silent, I can't imagine what it's going to be like down here on this earth. So we see the, the silence. Look at verse number two. 
uh, it says, And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke uh, of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angels' hands. Now, here we see uh, the prayers. Uh, so there was the preparation. Now we see the prayers here uh, in preparation. Uh, the uh, peace in preparation, now the prayers in preparation. Uh, and, and with this, we see these, these prayers. Now, with these prayers, we're going to see several things. We're going to, first of all, we're going to see that altar that was there. Then we're going to see the, uh, the, uh, the censer that was there, and then we'll see the incense that was there. Now, these prayers, it was the prayers of all the saints. Now, the saints have already been raptured. So New Testament saints, we're already out of here. So now you have other saints that are here, people that are saved, that are here during the tribulation period that get saved, and now they are persecuted saints. So here, this persecution, these prayers that are going up, these are going up not by the saints that, uh, that are, have already lived. These are going up by the saints that are living during this tribulation period that get saved. And now as persecuted Christians, they're offering up their prayers uh, to God. Now, when we go back to the Old Testament, this is a, this is a uh, similarity to the tabernacle. When you would walk in, uh, of course, in the courtyard, they would have the brazen altar. Now, the brazen altar in the courtyard is where they would have the daily sacrifices, and those sacrifices were going on. Uh, that sacrifice uh, was a, uh, it was a judgment. It was a sacrifice of judgment. And with that then, they would take that uh, that uh, 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 a fire, a coal from off the altar, and that then would be used to light the altar of incense. The altar of incense. So you have the uh, the the uh, in the courtyard. You would have the brazen altar, and then you would have a laver. And the high priest, after they would go from the the altar of or the brazen altar and the sacrifice, then they would go and they would wash themselves in running water uh, through the with the laver, and then they would they would enter into the holy place. So in the tabernacle, you would have the holy place, the enter in. And when they would enter in, the priest would come in, and just to his right was the, alt, was the uh, table of showbread. And here they would have the table of showbread that was there, uh, and the Lord was the bread of life. And uh, he is the sustenance. And so uh, we had the, uh, the, uh, uh, the table of showbread over here. On the left side, in the other corner, you would have the... the, uh, uh, the uh, that was the the golden candlesticks and uh, that was running and was was representing the lights and uh, the lights and so then right before the uh, when you first walked in straight ahead was the altar of incense and right behind the altar of incense was the veil. Now here you have uh, the altar of incense, and it was lit from the the coals of the judgment, uh, and so it was it was lit. Uh, that incense was always burning; it was never to go out. 
It was to continually be, go, uh, to continually be going up uh, before God as a sweet savor. Uh, the, the altar of incense and that incense that was going up was to represent the prayers of the saints. And, and here, uh, those prayers of the saints uh, were going up, and it was to continually be burning. Uh, and here what we find, though, uh, is that uh, this altar of incense, as they uh, would walk in, uh, it was right next to the veil. And here, uh, the prayers inside, the, once you pass that veil, you entered into that holy of holies, that most holy place where the kind of glory of God was uh, dwelling between the cherubims there, uh, over the altar, uh, over the uh, mercy seat there. And what do you have? You have the prayers of the saints, and they would, they would be separated between God with the veil. What did Christ do when he died on that cross? That veil was rent. And the death of Christ... Then was he opened up a way to where our prayers could get directly to the Father. And here we see that that very image is there and that Christ was was there and and that veil uh, was open. And so here uh, we see that that imagery, if you would, uh, the table of showbread, uh, that candlestick, but that here we see that altar of incense uh, and the prayers of the saints. Uh, we have access to uh, the holy of holies through the uh, through the uh, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. But Revelation chapter eight, look back at verse three. It says, "And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense." that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden uh, altar which was before the throne and the smoke of the incense which uh, came up with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hands. So here this smoke of these prayers was the fervency of these prayers of the persecuted believer. And you know, as we are in trial as we are in a place of struggle, that's when we will really pray. That's when that prayer time becomes more fervent. I went up to meet with Brother Ray uh, yesterday, and uh, we went out to lunch together. Otherwise, um, Mrs. Ray had uh, was still in the hospital. And we were talking about how God was using this in his church family's life. And he said, it's amazing how God is using this health issue of my wife to cause our people to pray. He said, our people are having Zoom prayer meetings together. Our ladies are calling each other and setting up prayer meetings to pray for his wife. There are people that are, that are coming up and telling him their prayer life has never been so real since this issue. You know, I wonder if it takes something tragic to get us to pray fervently. 
the smoke of the prayers, the incense, the smoke that was coming up. Does God have to allow something tragic to come into our life to truly get our attention and cause us to want to spend time with Him? I hope that's not the case. But I know in my own life, and I'm sure it's the same in your life, when things are easy, it's easy to float. When we come to the end of ourself and we can't do anything else, we know God is the only answer. Let me tell you something, God is the only answer all the time. He's, that's always the case. He is the only answer no matter how how good we are, how much we can accomplish, what we can do. Uh, God is the only one uh, that is able, and we need to make sure that we are uh, trusting Him. Uh, our, our prayers uh, need, to, need the assistance of God uh, to be heard. He said, let us therefore come boldly, uh, Hebrews 4.16, under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Even our prayers, we need God to help us with our prayers, even for them to come before God. And, and here, uh, that fervency, these were persistent and consistent prayers that were going up before God to get to his throne. And God's, God's people were praying because the need was great. And so we see these prayers during this time. Uh, thirdly, we see the, persecu the uh, precursor in the preparation. Look at verse number 5. Uh, and the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. You know, this wicked world has persecuted the believers from day one. The devil hates God. And in his hatred for God, he wants to hate, he wants to hurt those that God loves. As the devil wants to attack God, he attacks God's children. Nothing hurts a person more than the, the injury of their children. And here you see that the devil, he is attacking and there is a venom. And with that, though, we see that uh, the angel took that censer and filled it with the fire of the altar. The fire of the altar was judgment. That, that fire that, that uh, would start and cause that altar of incense to burn was, came off of the brazen altar, which was the altar of judgment. Now he's going to take that censer that has that, uh, that, uh, the fire from the altar, and he is going to cast it to the earth. You see, God is angry at the evil that has been done his people. You know, the Lord said, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Judgment's coming. You know, Christian, we might not see the judgment in our day. We might not sense that validation we might not see or feel that we have been vindicated, but there is a God who is keeping track. 
He knows exactly what's going on. He knows every wrong that you and I will ever face. He knows the persecution that we will face. He knows the storms, the trials. He knows the attacks that we are going to face. And God takes that personally. Take your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. We definitely are not going to get to even the first trumpet. All right, so uh, so here we see, though, Matthew chapter 25. Let's look at verse 35. Matthew 25, verse 35. He said, For I was hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee? Or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in? Or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. You know what? God takes it personally when you do good for people as well as when you do evil to people. He said, you've done it unto me. So when there is evil done to one of his children, God takes that as a personal attack on himself. When you do good for one of his people, he takes that as a personal blessing that you did it unto him. And here we see that judgment uh, that's coming. What is that judgment? Uh, that that uh, that censer is thrown to the earth, and we see thunders, we see lightnings, we see earthquakes that are coming, and, and it's revealing the coming judgment of God Almighty upon this earth. Have you ever been in a, a storm where that thunder crack or that lightning cracks and that thunder hits? And it is so close that you can just feel and sense the power that's there. You know, when that sensor is thrown to this earth, God's throwing down the, the gauntlet. He's, he's saying it's time for judgment. And with that, his power. You know, God is an amazing God. I mean, we, we walk outside and tonight we'll go outside and we maybe have an opportunity to look up into the skies and see the stars that are there. And just the magnificent, magnificence uh, of that, uh, that creation. We see the, uh, just the glory of God that's there. The heavens declare the glory of God. Uh, but there is a God of great grandeur, but there is a God of judgment. You know, that God of judgment is a God of holiness. And just as He is holy, And that God of love, there is also a side where there will be great judgment. You know, that is, that's something that we can't forget. 
We can't forget the fact that one day we're going to stand before that holy God. Now, I'm glad that I'm going to stand before Him as my Heavenly Father. But if you're not saved, that will not be the case. You will stand before a God as judge. You'll stand before God uh, and under His wrath, not under His love. And here is, is God is just revealing here in Revelation the things that are going to take place. This is, you go back to Revelations chapter 1. Uh, let's, uh, 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 Revelations chapter 1, go back with me real quick. Uh, look with me at verse number 19. Revelations chapter 1, verse number 19. He said, write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. You know, John is given multiple perspectives here. And John, as he is entering in and God is revealing things, he is going to, he is going to communicate. He is going to uh, write down uh, the things that he sees, the things which were, but also things which shall be ha hereafter, things to come. And knowing the things to come will impact how we act in the present. When I know that one day I'm going to stand before God, and I believe that, it's a check and balance in my daily life. Why? Because I'm going to, I'm going to see Him. I'm going to, get, I'm going to give an account of the things that I, he had done, the Bible says, in his body, whether it be good or evil. There's coming a day of reckoning. Even for the believer, there is, there is a reckoning coming. Not of wrath, but it will be a reward or a loss of reward. But for the lost, it will be judgment. And this earth, when Christ is gone, uh, and He calls us out, uh, when the Lord calls us out uh, of this earth, uh, the amazing thing that's going to take place is uh, we see how God is going to just, con He's going to bring that judgment. Uh, so we see next, uh, go to, uh, we're going to see the personages, uh, the, the angels that are there. Uh, chapter number 8, verse number 2. Revelation 8, 2. We'll see, as we're still in this preparation, we haven't, we haven't dealt with the trumpet yet. Uh, there's seven of them. Uh, we were going to get to four tonight, but we won't get to number one tonight. Uh, but uh, here, uh, look at verse number 2. It says, And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Verse number 6. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to, to sound. Now, here we see the nearness uh, of these angels. They stood before God. Uh, and then we see the number of these angels. There were seven angels. Now, when we look at this, uh, we see that seven is used over and over and over again in the Word of God. 
And you know, when you get into numerology, you have to be careful because you can start having extra biblical uh, revelation, as in we just start making stuff up, all right? And we start saying that God said something that God did never say. But what we do see is this number of seven uh, is a number that is used over and over and over again. And it is a, it's symbolic. And we, there are different uh, studies, and there's a whole lot of studies about it. Uh, and there is some significance there. But we do have to be careful that, that we don't put too much uh, emphasis on something that is vague. So it is interesting, and there are some things here, and there's verses to go along with this if you want to do a study on it. Uh, but they say that number one is symbolic of unity, and they give uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4, and God uh, is one. Uh, Jesus and the Father uh, are one. Uh, we see number two is used as a, uh, it's symbolic of a witness. Uh, Exodus 25, 22, Matthew 26, 60, Luke 10, 1. Uh, Christ sent out his disciples two by two. Uh, we're not to receive an accusation, but at the mouth of two or three witnesses. Uh, so, so here you see the witnesses, uh, the plural. So uh, it's symbolic of a witness. Number three is symbolic uh, of perfection, completion. Uh, uh, and three persons in the, the Trinity is the best example, they say. Uh, number four, they say, is symbolic uh, of the earth, uh, dealing with the four seasons and the four directions. And, and so uh, different scriptures, Daniel 7, 3, Matthew 13, Isaiah 11. Number five, they say, is symbolic of grace. Uh, the five types of offerings in Leviticus, the five sockets, the five bars, the, uh, the altar was five by five uh, cubits. Uh, and so uh, there, there's a lot of different things uh, that are mentioned in this numerology. Uh, number six uh, is symbolic of humanity. Uh, you know, man was created on the sixth day. Uh, the man labors six days. Uh, slaves were only to labor uh, six years. Uh, and so the servants, the bond servants, were to labor for six years. So, so that is a number. Uh, we know that uh, six is the number of a man. Uh, and so uh, the ten, uh, let's see, I'm sorry, seven was symbolic of spiritual perfection. Uh, seven churches, seven spirits, seven gifts uh, of the Holy Spirit. Uh, number eight, uh, they say, was symbolic of a new beginning. Number 10 symbolizes earthly government. 11 uh, was, uh, uh, let's see here, I don't see number 11. Number 12, uh, spiritual authority. 12 tribes, 12 apostles, uh, 12 sons of Jacob, uh, and a lot of different things there. Number 40 was symbolic of trials. Uh, number 70 was symbolic of judgment. And of course, we know that 660 and 6 was the number of the beast. And so there are a lot of numbers, and God uses numbers. And here, when we're looking at this judgment, we see that there are seven trumpets. We see that there are seven seals. We see that there are seven vials. So that number is used over and over again. Uh, so uh, here we see also... Uh, this scene of the punishment. Uh, look at uh, verse number 7. 
And uh, we are going to have to stop right there. Otherwise, I'm going to get right into the first trumpet. And we're not able to get into the first trumpet because we won't be able to finish it. Uh, but, uh, but when we look at this, we start seeing that God is a God who has a plan. You know, as a leader, as a pastor, sometimes those plans have to change. As a family, you have to change plans. You make some plans and something happens and that's not going to work out and you got to shift, make up a different plan. You know, God's plan was established before the world was. It will not change. No matter what happens over in the Ukraine, no matter what happens here in the U.S., no matter happens what happens with inflation, gas prices, persecution, God's plan will be fulfilled. And you and I are a part of that plan. And as his child, we just got to trust him. One day he's going to get us out of here. That rapture is going to take place. That trumpet's going to sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, are you ready for that day? You don't want to be here during the judgment. You know, they wrote those series of books years ago. It was called Left Behind. We don't want to be left behind. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you need to accept Him today. If you know Him as your personal Savior, we need to draw closer. We've got to follow Him. We've got to trust Him. And then we just got to recognize that no matter how unjust or how wicked this world gets, how wicked California gets, God's going to judge. He will right every wrong. He will balance those scales of justice properly. We just got to keep our eyes on Him. Don't get too caught up with what's happening at the Capitol. We need to pray, we need to vote, we need to do what we can. Don't get too caught up with all the initiatives in D.C. Why? We can't change all of those. But we do have a God who does have a plan. And one day, that censor of judgment is going to be thrown down to this earth. And there will be a righteous and holy judgment. And every, every person, every saint that has been persecuted, there will be justice. So let's just keep our eyes on him. He knows exactly where we're at. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. Thank you for your goodness to us. Uh, thank you for just the opportunity to be able to open your word and study it, and help us, Lord, as we uh, go back into our uh, daily lives, as we go back into our week tomorrow, our workplaces, 
Uh, we pray that you would just give us uh, just a sense of your presence. Help us to keep looking uh, heavenward. One day you're going to call us out of here. Help us to be faithful until that day comes. So bless each one that's here tonight. Uh, give us safety as we travel our own directions home. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.